I'm Stephen Maurice, and this is Perspectives. This episode, we're doing something unique for Perspectives. We're getting out of the studio. Well, our home studio, anyway. Like lots of Canadians, we're slowly getting back to the office. That's actually where we recorded this episode. And the timing couldn't be better, because Scotiabank just celebrated its 190th anniversary. To mark the occasion, we're going on a bit of a treasure hunt with some special guests. Let's get started. Testing. Checking the mic. One, two, three. Okay, so uh, rolling. Whenever you're ready, I'll get this. All right. I'm here in the Scotiabank building in downtown Toronto with my producer, Andrew. Uh, We're in what was the original Scotiabank headquarters at 44 King Street, right downtown, where all the big banks are located. There's a big stone engraving at the opposite end of this room. Lots of marble. All looks very impressive and banky. And it's fitting that we're here because today is March 30th, 2022, which is actually Scotiabank's 190th anniversary. So we're going to meet today with some people who are going to take us back through the bank's history in a very hands-on way. Christina Donatis and Debbie Keffer are archivists here at Scotiabank. Debbie should actually be here any minute now. They're going to be walking us through some of their favorite items from the past couple of centuries. These are things that the public and even bank employees barely get to see. So it should be fun to get an insider's look on some of the bank's history. And before we know it, our guide for the day is here. Debbie. Hey, Debbie. She runs the corporate history program here at the bank. We follow her to the elevator. Going to the secret floor. She's only half kidding. It's not really secret, but we are headed to a part of the building that most employees probably don't even know exists. So here we are. This mystery floor is home to the Scotiabank archives, and it's run by Christina Donatis. Hello, how are you doing? Good. Christina and the archives team are tasked with preserving Scotiabank's history, storing digital records, documents, and that's just the start. People just assume it's paper, but it's not. There's more to to what we do, and really speaks to the history of the bank. Yeah, basically, so a lot of what I look at is things that maybe wouldn't come naturally to the archives. There's a lot of stuff out there that if you work for the bank, if you work in a branch or in an office that you use every day, that is part of our experience at the bank. And that's the kind of stuff that I look at so that, you know, somebody 50 years from now wants to look back and say, what was it like to work in a branch? I mean, what was a branch, right? Like, (laughs) we have those pieces that we can then share. And those pieces are housed just a few steps from where we're standing, behind a nondescript office door that has the Scotiabank seal on it. So do you want to go see? And with the swipe of her card, we're in. First thing you notice is the temperature change. So this room is climatized. When we walk in here, we monitor the temperature and relative humidity on a daily basis. And it's all part of preservation. So we always turn off- It looks like how you would picture an archive. There's plenty of boxes on shelves, more than a thousand of them, all meticulously labeled. There's computers and scanners, but most of the space is laid out like a museum exhibit with artifacts and brightly lit display cases. And how do you find this stuff? Um, I do a lot of outreach. So when an office is moving or if I know that a branch is moving, I will reach out to the branch manager or to the person in charge of the office move, introduce myself and my program, tell them what I'm looking for. And then as they clean up, I just ask them to set anything that they think is interesting aside. So that a lot of that first step. Part of Debbie's job is figuring out what's worth keeping. What's something that's going to tell a story about the bank or what work was like in that era? Yeah, we get a lot of interesting items that they're not interesting now, 
because we see them every day. But there's a lot of stuff out there that it can be very evocative about a certain era. Like all I have to do is introduce somebody to an item that's from the 1950s and you immediately get this picture in your mind of, oh, well, what would that work environment have been like? So I think objects can do that in a sense. Brings you back in time. Yeah, yeah. little time machines. It is. And those time machines are all around us here. There's a vintage burgundy security guard blazer, an original leather-bound operations manual from 1885. And is that a throne? It is kind of like a throne. It's a board of directors throne, actually. And whenever wow. you became a member of the bank's board of directors, you actually got your own chair. It's a brown wooden chair, hand-carved, with a well-worn green upholstered seat. It has a small metal plaque on it. You know when you're really? a kid and they say to you, like, that's not your chair, it's mine. Well, is your name on it? Well, yes, it is. They actually have their name put on the front of the chair. And that is Marie Wilson Sanders, who was the first female to sit on the board of directors for the Bank of Nova Scotia. And when was, when was that? 1976. Each item has a story. But for someone like Christina, there's often also a story behind how the item was acquired. And this chair is no exception. And we got a call from somebody handling the estate of Marie Wilson Sanders. And they said, you know, we have this chair. Do you want it? If you don't come, we're really just going to throw it in the garbage. It's gone. I rushed to the house, picked up the chair, brought it back. And me and the person handling the estate were actually walking through Scotia Plaza with this chair. And everyone was, we had the weirdest looks on people's faces, like, what is happening? But. All my years working for Scotiabank, every time I look at that chair, I think of walking through the banking hall and bringing it into the collection. So it, it means a lot to me. Next, Debbie guides us over to another display. We can uh, go over here and look at our protectographs. Protectographs. Yeah. So what I love about- On a table is three machines. The largest one sort of looks like if you combined an old typewriter, a graphing calculator on steroids, and a slot machine, maybe? So do you want to try one out? Sure. Okay. So these are protectographs. So it's in the name, Protecto. Uh, they were a way to avoid fraud. It has a huge manual keypad and a big arm attached. So if you were, for example, going to do a check or a money order for a certain amount of money, you would enter the amount right. on this nice little keyboard here. Uh -huh. So I don't know. We're just going to push a bunch of buttons. And there's uh -huh. our amount. And then you would insert your check or whatever you were going to try and legalize here and then you just crank the handle. Just like a slot machine. And it has printed Scotiabank, Banque Scotia, $1,133.11. There you go. And if you notice, it has a tactile element as well. So it doesn't just print, oh. it punches the paper so that you can't just erase the ink and rewrite the number. So this was a way for the bank to protect itself and its customers. And we use these- These protect graphs look super old school, but they were only decommissioned in 2018. Think how much banking technology has changed even in our lifetime. Because 40 years ago, we were pretty much a manual operation. And it's only within that last 40 years that we get things like bank machines and being able to like go to any branch you want to do your banking and not just that one where that has your signature card. And it's amazing to think how quickly that has happened. And it's not just the technology that's evolved in the last 190 plus years. The actual money itself has changed. Debbie shows me another display. This is one of the items that is both unique to the bank and also beautiful. It's a steel plate. It looks like almost like currency. And that's exactly what it is. It's a printing plate for printing banknotes. So this is Bank of Nova Scotia money that we printed. It was one of the first things that the bank did after it was founded was we had to go out and print a bunch of money. 
So this they can is, just make their own money? Banks did. At the time, individual banks, it was one of their main responsibilities was to print banknotes. So you can see that, that each of these... So up until about the 1930s, there wasn't one standard set of paper money here in Canada like we're used to. If you, say, wanted to buy a sack of potatoes or go for a nice carriage ride with the missus on the promenade, or whatever people spent money on back then, you'd use a bill printed from your bank, basically saying, hey, my bank's good to give you this money. And each institution had their own. Yes, so you would potentially have in your pocket banknotes from the Bank of Ottawa or the Bank of New Brunswick or the Bank of Nova Scotia. And they would be- They have a bunch of Bank of Nova Scotia banknotes right here in the archives. By the way, fun fact to impress your friends, collecting currency or coins is called numismatics. Yes. Yeah, so this over here. They look a lot like bills you might have in your wallet now. A little larger, maybe. But they have denominations printed on them, serial numbers and fancy pictures of politicians or guys on horses. Another big difference is that these are in Nova Scotia pounds and shillings. Remember, this is before the Bank of Canada. Another thing that surprised me during our visit is about the bank's official seal. It's something I've seen countless times, but haven't looked at too closely. Then Debbie just casually mentions there's a unicorn on it. And I'm like, wait, unicorn? There's no unicorn. There is a unicorn. unicorn. Very good. Our seal includes a unicorn? It does. It's the national animal of Scotland. And so one half of our coat of arms represents the Scottish roots of Nova Scotia, where we were founded. And the other half represents Canada as a whole. So that's why we have a stag on one side. And he wears a little maple leaf. And the unicorn on the other side wears a St. Andrew's cross around his neck to symbolize Scotland. And to prove it, Debbie shows me an old Scotiabank flag that would have hung at a branch. And yeah, there it is, my unicorn. Yes, it's fairly common. It's a traditional heraldic symbol. And of course, the flag is the color we all now associate with the bank. The iconic Scotiabank blue? It's blue. We think of Scotia red, but that's a fairly new thing. It was in the 1970s that we adopted red as our color. So before that, this vibrant blue was very much more what you would see in terms of our branding. And that was when we also adopted our flying S that we all know and love so much. We could probably spend all day going through the drawers and boxes and displays. We've only been here an hour, but it doesn't take long to understand the importance of the collection. Sure, it keeps records safe, but it also provides a tactile history on how banking has evolved. The history of currency, Canadian politics, gender politics, technology, even fashion. It's a living, evolving document of the bank itself. And that's especially poignant given the day that we're visiting. So we're here in the context of the bank's 190th anniversary. So it's a very old institution, older than the country even. What are the historical things that have struck you about the bank over the course of that time? Well, for me, there's been a couple of things. Um, You know, we've changed immensely in terms of how we operate and who we are as a bank. But a lot of our principles are, are still the same as they were. I mean, a lot of the same things that we hold important today were things that, you know, were part of our founding principles. The 190th to me just, it really helps solidify what the archives is and help to preserve the history of the bank and to show that a lot of the work that we're doing in here has value over time and continue to to grow and evolve. So stay tuned for the 200th. Do you think about whatever person is going to be doing your jobs 100 years from now? Do you think about them when you're making decisions about what to keep? What are the things that will tell the story of 2022 in 2122? 
I do all the time. I run the corporate history program, but I spend as much of my time, I think, probably looking forward and encouraging people to think forward about you know, the things that you are seeing every day that are gonna be the artifacts of tomorrow. And we don't know which things are necessarily gonna disappear. We might have some clues about certain things, but we're always, I at least, I'm always thinking about what's gonna be, what's gonna be missing. So I try and get out there and, and find those missing pieces before they're gone. We wanna thank our guests again, Christina Donatis, the Senior Manager of Archives and Corporate Records, and Debbie Keffer, Manager and Archivist of Scotiabank's Corporate History Program. We'll have photos of all the items we learned about, and even some we didn't have time for, up at the story page for this episode. You can find that at scotiabank.com perspectives. We'll put a link in the description too. We also have a great story up now about the evolution of the Scotiabank logo. Check that out if you haven't already. We'll link to that as well. You've been listening to Perspectives. Please follow and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. For a transcript of this episode, visit our website, scotiabank.com slash perspectives. We'll see you next time.